What does it mean to you for your child to communicate with confidence? This is something that I spoke about with five families this week as part of Speech Pathology Week, and I can't wait to share their answers with you. Hello, I'm Alex Tricolo. I'm a mum of three and I'm a really passionate speech pathologist. I've helped countless children to say their first words and learn to speak clearly. And I'm quite passionate about giving parents the peace of mind that their kids are on the right path. And that's really where the birth of this podcast came about. I really want to help parents to learn more from passionate mums who know their stuff in a variety of different fields. Welcome to the Mama Learn podcast. Subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. This is a little ad to tell you about my 100 Club. It's my membership where I want to help you to help your children to say their first 100 words and beyond. You'll get weekly tips, strategies, activities, and ideas, plus a good dose of speech pathology information on top of that. And I have a really special deal if you're a podcast listener. Go head over to www.alextricolo.com forward slash love and you can get the first month of the 100 Club free. Hi everyone, thank you for welcoming me into your ears again. For those who have been avid listeners since the beginning, which is six episodes ago, I have been a little MIA for a few weeks because I've just had a little bit happening in my personal life and so I just took a little break. I am back though and I had to come back because this week, the 23rd to the 29th of August 2020, is Speech Pathology Week. And us speech pathologists get pretty excited about Speech Pathology Week because it's a chance for us on a mass scale to promote ourselves and to talk about what speech pathology is, our own experiences, and to share the experiences that other families have with speech pathology. Because you might be quite surprised to discover that a recent census gave us the statistic that 1.2 million Australians currently live with a communication disability. Those numbers are big. That was more than I expected. And although not all of those 1.2 million uh, would be currently accessing speech pathology services, quite a large proportion of them would be. And some of them may have currently gone undiagnosed and are yet to get a diagnosis and yet to access speech pathology services. So I have spent the week chatting to five amazing Australian families about what it means to them for their children to communicate with confidence because communicating with confidence is the theme of Speech Pathology Week this year. And I really, really love it as a theme and I am going to talk a bit more about it later um, because each family shares their own perspective. So I can't wait to do that. But 
I want to spend the first bit of this episode introducing you to these five awesome families. I think you are going to get so much positivity out of this episode because these families are so inspiring and amazing. Now, all of the families on this episode are on Instagram, so I'll pop all of their handles into the show notes so that you can go and have a look at what they're doing because all five are putting positivity and real mum advice into the world, but with their unique perspectives because of their kids. That will make more sense. And if you get something out of this episode, I really encourage you to go to their accounts and let them know, send them a DM and just let them know what you got out of listening to this episode, because I'm pretty much guaranteeing you, you're going to leave this episode feeling inspired. So first up, we're going to meet Natasha and Miller. Take a listen. My name is Natasha Darcy. Um, I'm married to Cameron and we have three beautiful boys, Wilbur who is seven, uh, Victor who's three and a half and baby Miller was born in January this year. When Miller was born he referred on the in-hospital hearing screen. Um, We were then referred to an audiologist who conducted three ABRs before diagnosing him with bilateral sensorineural hearing loss. His hearing loss is moderate, so as far as we can tell, he can still hear, but we need to be pretty close to him for him to be able to hear clearly. And he was fitted with hearing aids at about 10 weeks. At seven months old, Miller is still very much a bub, and he does all the usual baby things like chatter, giggle, and babble. He loves to squeal in this high-pitched tone, which I think is his way of getting attention, which can be pretty hard to get sometimes in this house with two older brothers. The major stresses about future communication for Miller is that we want him to be able to meet the same levels of speech as his peers. Um, So this is going to come with its own challenges, obviously, with hearing loss. Uh, At the moment, this involves fortnightly speech therapy sessions, and then we alternate that with a fortnightly play group for deaf kids. After hearing Natasha talk, I'm sure you can really understand why speech pathologists really want to ensure that your child has adequate hearing skills or at least that the that the speechy is across the level of development or the level of hearing loss that your child might be experiencing so that we can make adaptations in therapy sessions something to keep in mind about hearing is that just because your child passes the newborn hearing screening doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have 100% hearing for the rest of their life and there are some things that can really impact upon hearing so it's really important to keep that in mind and really keep on top of your child's hearing. So let's listen to our next amazing family Tracy and Elliot. Hi Mama Lane my name is Tracy and I'm a proud mother to our three beautiful children. We have a seven-year-old daughter and two sons who are five and three. I'm happily married to my husband of 11 years and we are in the element of our lives at the moment. Uh, We love all the adventures that we have with our kids. We love having fun with them, taking them to the beach, movies, bushwalking. Uh, As for me, for my work life, I work at Down Syndrome WA um, as a playgroup assistant every Friday. 
and I'm also training to become an accredited keyword sign presenter. Our youngest son, Elliot, who is three years old now, has Down syndrome. We had a birth diagnosis with Elliot and along with learning many other aspects of different types of therapies to help him grow and learn, we've also learned a lot of different ways to help him communicate. Um, he is three years old and still has limited speech, so we have developed several different ways to help him communicate with us. So how does Elliot communicate? Uh, Elliot relies predominantly on keyword signs to express himself and interact with us. Uh, he's also in the process of receiving his first AAC talking device, uh, which is very exciting for both of us. Um, the last three months we've been trialling different models uh, to find the perfect match for Elliot. And after these last few months we've decided on a particular brand and we await its arrival and look forward to this next part of our journey of communication with Elliot. And so what stresses do I have about Elliot's future communication skills? Uh, for me it's probably in the early years of school life when he's still developing his communication skills and there is such a big gap in development uh, with his peers um, I worry that he won't be able to keep up with the interactions uh, and the social aspect of school life um, and in the playground. Um, but I do have a lot of hope that he will find his own way uh, to communicate through his different modes of communication um, and then friends and peers who will be very accepting um, of the way he likes to, to communicate and, and talk. I think I could listen to Tracy speak all day. She just radiates enthusiasm for life. Now, you would have heard Tracy talk about keyword sign, and she explained it extremely well. And one thing I really wanted to highlight to you is that keyword sign can be amazing for kids as a bridge to verbal communication. It can be so great for those kids who aren't able to speak yet so that they at least have one method of communication. And something we know from the research is that so long as you are using the words out loud at the same time as using your keyword sign, you're actually helping your child move towards verbal communication. And it's pretty exciting to see just how quickly once kids can verbally communicate, how quickly they can learn new words when they're using keyword sign to help with those new words. So I get pretty excited about keyword sign and I think you'll find quite a few of the families that I've talked to this week are using keyword sign. It's really empowering for the kids to be able to at least get some of their needs met when they wouldn't otherwise be able to. So very exciting. Now let's talk to Carly and Ellis. Okay, so it's myself, my husband Cameron, and our baby Ellis. Ellis is eight months, nearly nine months old. Um, we also have a dog named Lola and a cat named Winston. 
Cameron and I have been together for um, 13 years almost and married for two. We just had our anniversary the other day. So Ellis's condition is called glutaric aciduria type 1 or GA1. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, and it's a genetic metabolic disorder that was diagnosed on the newborn screen. And basically, in simple terms, his body doesn't break down protein effectively. Um, so without treatment, and treatment is a very strict vegan diet and counting the amount of protein that he gets um, and very quick response to any kind of illness, so fevers or whatever, um, there's a big chance of him having damage to the basal ganglia, which is a part of the brain that controls movement. So um, children that do get damage to that part of the brain often have movement disorders that range in quite a spectrum. And children with this condition that don't have damage to that part of the brain still often have um, things like gross motor delays. So with this condition, I guess the scariest period of time is the first six years. Most children um, don't have any kind of brain damage. So in this, I guess, community, they call it a metabolic crisis. Most children don't have a crisis after the age of six. So, um, you know, most families with this, with children with this condition will keep them out of daycare if possible. And, um, you know, some families do homeschool for a short period of time just to kind of minimize the risk of illness because, like I said earlier, um, fever and dehydration is really dangerous because it throws the, the metabolism out of whack. Um, so, you know, if he was to get something as simple as gastro or an ear infection, he'd likely have to be hospitalized. So it's definitely scary, um, but we just take it day by day. So Ellis is nearly nine months old. And so he's communicating with us all the time. So not just with babbling, which is constant. He doesn't really ever stop talking, but also through sign language. So we decided from birth to do baby sign and some Auslan signs with Ellis, not because of his condition, uh, but because, you know, I know that there's a lot of research to show that teaching children sign language can sort of be a bridge to communication and can alleviate a lot of the, a lot of the frustration that comes with communicating um, with others before, I guess, you're physically able to speak. So he can now do two signs back to us. So he can do the sign for milk and the sign for nappy, and he can definitely understand a lot more. So we use lots of other signs too, most like most um, often things like all done, more, water, eat, um, the dog, that sort of thing. I think the biggest stress for me is really the unknown. So GA1 is considered a rare disease. It's about one in 200,000 people will have diagnosis of it. And that just sort of means that there's not a lot of money or research going into the long-term outcomes for these kids. So speaking to some parents of, of children who have had a crisis, you know, some of those kids were speaking and communicating really well and have lost those skills due to the brain damage to the the part of the brain that affects movement, which can impact the muscles in their mouth as well. So some of those kids end up, you know, not being able to eat correctly and, and swallow that sort of thing. So, um, and then there's other children who have had delays because of those muscles and have had to um, have speech therapy. So we're just keeping an eye on him. And yeah, I think that's the biggest stress. So just not knowing um, what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just interrupting this episode to let you know that I hang out on Instagram. And mama, you can learn something new about your child's speech and language for free just by following me. My handle is at speech with Alex Tricolo. And while you're there, if you've got questions, just send me a DM. Let's get back to the episode. Carly and Ella's story really highlights a couple of things, I think. Number one, being able to cope with a rare diagnosis. And Carly will share some of her advice for other mums on a similar path later in this episode. It also highlights the stress that can come with really not knowing what path a disease or disorder might take. And something you might find really interesting is that speech pathologists have training in counseling. And this might not surprise you so much in the context of someone like Carly uh, or even Tracy and Natasha, because as you can imagine, they're dealing with high levels of stress, the unknown, and just that general mum guilt of, am I doing the right thing for my child? And as a speech pathologist, those counseling skills come in so helpful. And in fact, sometimes I think I've used my counseling skills more than some of the speech pathology skills that I learned at university, because I have to use my counseling skills in every single session because it's so stressful being a mum. And sometimes for mums, the speech pathologist and other therapists might be the only adult conversations that you get to have each week. So counselling just becomes such an important part of that therapeutic process. Now let's talk to Steph and Pearl. Hi everyone, my name is Steph Holmes and I am a 30-year-old mum of four and we live in Perth, WA, about an hour south of Perth, and I live with my husband, our dog, and obviously the kids. Uh, I have a teaching background, special needs EA background, and before that as well, I worked in retail. At the moment, I'm just working from home for myself. I do lots of marketing, social media, content creation, all that jazz, and I'm absolutely loving it at the moment. It just works so well for me being able to stay home with the kids and um, look after Pearl and take her to all of her therapies. Um, So obviously, as I just said, Pearl is my youngest. She's two and she was born with a condition called 2Q37 deletion syndrome. Uh, We actually had no indication that there was going to be anything up when I was pregnant. I had a textbook pregnancy and birth and it was amazing. Um, It wasn't until I had a really late scan at 37 weeks and they did say to me that they were a little bit concerned about baby being small, but I just brushed it off because they had said that to me before with my other kids. And... um, they did say to me that her one of her kidneys was dilated, but again, they reassured me that it was quite normal and was probably nothing. So anyway, at birth, her birth was amazing, natural, all the rest of it. And they noticed, the midwives noticed that she had a sacral dimple, which are very common, apparently. None of my other kids had them, but apparently they're very common. But in some cases, they can call, they can indicate spinal issues. So hers was just a little bit deep and the paediatrician wanted to check it out just a little bit further and sent us for an MRI. 
which came back saying that her actual spine was tethered, which just means that there was like an extra tendon pulling down on her spine and that implicated the nerves coming off her spine and then that therefore sent the wrong messages to her brain, which sent the wrong messages to her bladder and it wasn't emptying properly as it should. So we went, um, we went up to the Perth Children's Hospital pretty much we were we pretty much lived there our first year of her life um it was very draining and exhausting as none of our other kids have ever had any kind of dramas not even a blood test um but pearl had the works she had blood tests she had tests um she had kidney dye tests they're called she was needed she needed catheters and antibiotics every day um multiple times a day and she needed just a lot of um intense therapy um uh, because she was she was clearly delayed. She wasn't reaching her milestones. And I knew that as uh, obviously I was a mum of four, well, three prior to her and my special needs background. So yeah, basically we were confirmed that when she was about eight, nine months old, that she had this deletion, um, 2Q37 deletion. And the hospital just tried to hook us up with um, physio, speech and OT. So yeah, which is very, very busy for us. <laughs> Pell had um, spinal surgery at six months old to detether her cord because um, they thought it might implicate on her future in being able to walk and crawl and, you know, do normal baby and kid things. So they did surgery, which was um, successful. And then we um, successfully joined the NDIS, which is the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And that was very confusing as well. It was so overwhelming. Um, it was a very tricky system to understand, but now we've got it and we have those regular therapies um, almost, yeah, almost weekly. So we go to speech um, once a week and we do sign language with her. We're trying to teach her, um, you know, the key signs they're called, which is just more please, thank you, um, drink, toilet, finished, that's all I can think of right now, but I'm sure there's more. So she does more really well because that's usually for food and she is food obsessed. So she does more really well. She has done thank you and she can do finished, um, but it's kind of needs a lot of shaping. Like it's her, her kind of way of doing it. But then again, her fine motor skills aren't great. So that's we understand what she means. Um, but it, you know, like obviously it means the world to me for her to be able to communicate effectively so that she can just get what she needs out of every day. Um, and at the moment, the, it's really cute and the more's really coming along really nicely and she does it for things that she loves as well, like songs and um, when we're reading books and things like that. So that's really nice to see. I'm pretty sure Steph has pretty much achieved super mum status. I know she won't agree with me on that, but she just blows me away because she is such a real mum and she shares that on her Instagram all the time. Something that Pearl's diagnosis really highlights is that sometimes when a child is diagnosed with a certain syndrome or disease, you might not be aware that you're going to need a speech pathologist because their, their condition might be presenting in other ways in their body. So obviously early on for Pearl, her condition was really presenting in her you know, internal organs, her bladder, her kidneys. And yet as she gets older, it's only then that other delays or disorders might become apparent. 
And there are a huge number of syndromes and diseases and conditions where children's motor skills are affected in some way. And the thing about motor skills is that you don't only need them for all of your gross motor and fine motor skills, which pretty much is part of everyday life, but you also need them for speech. You need them to be able to say sounds and to coordinate all those sounds together. So it's a pretty big task for some kids to achieve that speech when they don't have the motor skills as a foundation. So we're really working on so much. So people can be quite surprised sometimes when they hear that a child's in speech pathology, when they don't realize that that particular syndrome is actually going to need speech pathology down the track. And I'm sure as you uh, have heard and will hear, so many of the kids that I've spoken to uh, or about this week are using keyword sign and that's been really critical for Pearl as well. So in speaking to all of these families throughout the week, I asked them, what does it mean to you for your child to communicate with confidence? And This is a big question because it doesn't just relate to now, it also relates to the future. And speech pathology is about so much more than speech and it's about so much more than the breakdown that we often do into speech and comprehension and language and reading and spelling and all of the parts that go into a speech pathology session because ultimately as speech pathologists, we set goals for a child's life. What does that child need for life? What do they need in the playground? What will they need in the workplace? And what do they need at home with their families? What do they need to get their basic needs met? So our goals are deeply rooted in life. And then we can slowly build the smaller components up to give and achieve those goals. So you'll definitely notice these families sharing with you what it means for their children to be able to communicate with confidence for life. You'll definitely get that flavor. So here are their answers. Um, Again, Miller is still little, but they grow up so fast and the next thing you know, he'll be at school where we as parents won't be there to help him when the going gets tough. So raising a confident kid, particularly with the hearing loss, is important, I think, because we want him to be able to learn to interact and socialise and advocate for himself. So what does it mean for Elliot to communicate with confidence for me? Uh, For me, it means the world. It means the world for Elliot to find his voice um, through whatever mode of communication works for him. Um, I want him, just like all of our kids, uh, to be able to have a chat with his friends, uh, for his opinions and and feelings to be heard in life. I want him to be confident in the classroom and in the schoolyard. And I'd love to hear about the end of his day when he comes home from pre-primary and see what he's been up to. I think for me, communicating with confidence means that Ellis will be able to be his own advocate. 
there's going to be times in his life where he really needs to stand up for himself or question things. And I really want to do that company. Um, the other thing for me more personally is I really need him to be able to tell me when he's not feeling well so that we can jump on any kind of illness very quickly and get the right kind of treatment. So him being able to communicate those is not only going to help me, it's going to help him ultimately. So, yeah, I think it's it's pretty important. Obviously, as a mum, I just want for her to be, you know, happy and healthy, but I also want her to be able to communicate with other kids her age and to ask for things that she needs and to get things that she wants um, from kids and adults and you know, just, just have fun with them and be able to, be able to run around and, and play games and um, all the rest of it. So just like every other mum, I think, is just those normal everyday communications that kids have in the playground and kids have at, at play dates and parties. Um, yeah, that's basically just what worries me is that she won't be able to, to get along um, in everyday life, I guess, with other kids. The last question that I asked each of the families was, what advice would you give to other families who are at the beginning of the journey that you are on? And a lot of these mums this week are actually still quite early on in their journey with their children. But the advice that they gave was so practical and so real. And I think pretty much any mum will benefit from the advice. So take a listen and hear what they said. Finding out your newborn baby has a hearing impairment is incredibly stressful and upsetting. And I think it's important that you take the time to grieve the loss of your child's hearing. Um, I think it's hard because as a newborn, there are no other signs that the baby can give you to reassure you that they're okay. They're essentially just a big squishy blob. Um, But within a few weeks, the baby will start babbling and smiling and cooing and doing all the things that babies are supposed to do, which I think will give you some further reassurance. I think that you need to give yourself the time and space to process it all and talk to other parents and do your own research. I've found that joining Facebook groups and Instagram to be incredibly helpful and it's really inspiring to see other grown-up deaf children kicking goals. I would tell other mums who are at the beginning of their journey uh, just to enjoy it, enjoy engaging with your child, Uh, find out what they love, their interests. Um, You can always adapt different modes of communication to suit them around that. Uh, For Elliot, it was music. So we sang and we signed lots and lots of songs so we could learn his keyword signs. Um, Also, don't stress out. Uh, Just take your time with your child because learning to communicate is such a long, long journey. So just embrace it, enjoy it, and have fun with it. Have fun with your child. My biggest advice would be to find support and find it really early. I think after we had the diagnosis on the newborn screen, I was just so overwhelmed and shocked because, you know, I was looking at my a perfect little baby and couldn't believe that there was something really wrong with him genetically. And I just felt that there wasn't anyone I could turn to that would understand. Thankfully, we live in a society where we have access to the, the internet and the wonderful world of social media. And I was able to connect to a group that was worldwide of, of children all over the world with the same condition. And I've actually made some really great contacts and I would say friends through that group. So 
it's amazing. I, I can't um, explain how valuable having a support network is. I think something that I would tell other mums on a similar journey would be to uh, it's really tricky because I think it takes a village and if you don't have that village it's not necessarily something that you can just go out and get um but if you're lucky enough to have a friend or you know lots of friends or family then lean on them for support you know ask them to to do the running around for you when's needed you know if they're going to the shops ask them to pick you up some dinner or ask them, you know, to, to come over and watch your other kids or ask them if they can babysit so you and your husband can go out on a date because it can be extremely draining and I think you need to to lean on them as much as you can and sometimes I need to take my own advice because everyone, you know, no one really likes asking for help but you can't wait for it to come to you sometimes otherwise you'll just go insane. So find others like-minded if you know any other special needs parents, ask questions and, you know, don't worry about seeing, seeming dumb or silly because, you know, it's new to you as well. And it's, you know, it's it's such a different journey to maybe your other kid's journey like it was for me. So I'm, I didn't know about any of this or I didn't know about the NDIS, the disability um, insurance scheme. Like I still am wrapping my head around it and I don't get it. But I don't care if I seem dumb or I, I just ask questions and I figure it all out, you know. So Yep, just ask questions and don't be afraid and ask for help. I think we can all agree that these families are amazingly positive and the enthusiasm for life that comes out of them is just absolutely infectious. So I think if I'm ever having a really tough week, I think I'm going to go back and listen to this episode because it's going to be just what I need to give me that little pep talk to say, you've got this and keep on going and you are an amazing mama. And I think that's something I can say to all of you. So to my listeners, I really hope that you've gotten something out of this episode and that you have learnt something. And I want to say a huge thank you to all of the families who shared this week because you have been so inspiring and so generous and open with your experiences and your time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. Did you learn something new, Mama? I would love for you to subscribe if you haven't already and rate and review while you're there. But while I've got you, I want to know who would you like to hear from or what topics do you want to know more about? Drop me a DM over on Instagram at Alex Tricolo. Until next time, have a lovely week.